Please remain standing. Let us pray. Father, thank you for all of those things with which you bless us in this season of Advent, where we are drawn to prepare our hearts and minds for the coming of Jesus, but more importantly, for his return in glory. Despite the joys associated with the Christmas season, help us to be penitent because we know just what is coming when Jesus returns. We honor his incarnation because that gives us a chance at salvation and eternal life. But we know that this is only part one and that we must prepare for part two. Help us with that through reflection and prayer as we pray in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The Gospel reading for today fits Advent perfectly because it has our Lord speaking quite clearly about his return. And this return or second coming is really what Advent is all about. The Archdeacon emphasized this last week in his sermon. Now, most of the reading that you heard as the gospel is understandable, but there is a very difficult portion, and that is when Jesus, after speaking about details of his return, says, truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away till all this has taken place. Well, how do we reckon that? This just does not fit the historical facts as we know them. And difficult statements like this can take too much time, I think, too much study time, and take away from the crucial message which is there. And so what I'm going to do this morning is deal with that difficult passage first. Then I'll have some things to say about Jesus' return itself, the parousia. And thirdly, I'll try to contemporize the passage somewhat so that we can apply it to our lives. Smarter people than I there are a lot of those, have spent much time on this difficult passage. I shall tell you of Darrell Bach's thoughts and let it rest with that. Who is Darrell Bach, you ask? He's a New Testament scholar, well known for his authoritative commentary on the book of Luke. Bach does not believe, as some have suggested, that Jesus was wrong with his timing. Rather, he believes that Jesus had something else in mind when he used the word generation. Bach postulates that generation refers to the generation alluded to in verse 25. And since you don't have numbers on your booklet here, I will refresh your mind. Verse 25 is, there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and upon the earth, distress of nations in perplexity at the roaring of the sea. Well, it's the nations here. That's the important word. And it is, Bach believes that it's those folks that are the generation that Jesus says will not pass away before his return. Well, now, if you think about that for just a moment, the implication is that the final events that commence with the signs will move rather quickly to the culmination, which is Jesus' return. This interpretation satisfies me and does not act as a stumbling block for me, holding me up so that I cannot focus on the more important issues of the passage and its context. And to end this thought, Jesus does tell us elsewhere, especially in Acts, and the apostles Peter and Paul also do, that no one, no one 
Not even Jesus himself knows when the second coming will occur. So let's all of us keep that in mind when we hear individuals who seem to presume to know more than Jesus here. And especially, let us not give any credence to those pesky folks who dare to threaten us with a particular date. Well, what are we to think about this parousia, this return of Jesus? Is it for real? I believe with all my heart that it is real, that Jesus will return in glory. And I am convinced that it will be a welcome and a happy time for those who have chosen Jesus as their Lord and King. Exact details of this, and especially the when, are way above my pay grade, but it will happen. I often wonder why we mortals continue to think that we can predict when this will occur. Possibly it's because we see what we think are the signs about which Jesus spoke. You know, the devastation that occurred with the recent hurricane in New Jersey and New York, or the tsunami in Japan. These are certainly big events, and they make us take pause. Was or is this the sign? A sign? I don't think that these destructive events are anywhere near what we will see when it does occur. In preparing for this message, I came across an interesting historical event that I'd like to share with you. It's a good example of how humanity has a tendency to misread, misunderstand, or just ignore signs. You may know, having read about it in history books, that World War II began on September 1st, 1939, when German armies invaded Poland. Hitler's original plan, however, was for that invasion to begin a week before, on August 26th. Because of some last-minute change of plans, the war was put off for a week. Orders went out to all the frontline units to stand down from the attack. And everybody got the message except for one unit, which rolled into Poland at midnight, August 26th, and soon captured a very important mountain pass and a number of prisoners. When the unit commander phoned his headquarters, I'm sure boastfully, to tell them of his success, they told him of the change of plans. So the battlefield commander released his prisoners, this is so Germanic, having lived in Germany for three years, <laughs> turned around and led his soldiers back into Germany. Now, I may be dull sometimes, but I think that if I were one of the leaders of Poland at that time, I might have come to a conclusion that something was in the air. <laughs> but the Polish government let the incident pass and was caught completely unaware and unprepared when the Nazis finally did invade on September 1st. They were not ready because they did not read the signs. That's not to say that we may not overread the signs and err in that direction as well. Remember, when we do become impatient thinking about Jesus' return, we must remember that the timetable for this is only the Lord's. And I will refer you to so beautifully written in 2 Peter. <clears throat> the Lord is not slow 
in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So let's remember that. What do we see happening when Jesus returns? What is so unique about the parousia? I shall not dwell on the heavenly or even earthly cataclysms, but rather on how Jesus might present himself. Hebrews 9.28 has been helpful to me in the past, and I again will urge you all to immerse yourselves repeatedly in Hebrews. The connection between Old and New Testament is the best there in all books of the Bible. Anyway, Hebrews 9.20 is very helpful, and that great preacher whom I've quoted before, Charles Spurgeon, enlarges on that small verse, two verses perhaps, with comments on what he calls the peculiar marks of this cosmic event. And now I'm quoting from Charles Spurgeon, because he says it much better than I could. Our Lord will have ended the business of sin. He has so taken it away from his people and so effectually borne its penalty that he will have nothing to do with it at his second coming. He will present no sin offering, for he will have utterly put sin away. Our Lord will then complete the salvation of his people. They will be finally and perfectly saved and will in every respect enjoy the fullness of that salvation. He comes not to bear the result of our transgressions, that's done, but to bring the result of his obedience, not to remove our condemnation, but to perfect our salvation. Thank you, Charles Spurgeon. But this will not occur for everyone. Anyone who is blinded by idolatry of any kind or by unconfessed sin will not see him. Jesus shall appear as a terrible judge and nothing more for those folks. Well now, how do we handle all this as Christ followers? I think that to be prepared, we have to be repaired. If we, any of us, have yet to truly accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we had better get about the business of doing that. And remember from previous messages from this person, me, accepting Jesus leads to our acceptance by God. This is our justification. Paul tells us all about this in Romans chapter 3. as another book you better read all the time. Where only by God's grace are we justified. There's nothing we can do. That indeed then is step one of the repair process. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit, thank God, opens our eyes. We're given a glimpse of eternity and we begin to yearn for it. Now, I do believe that most, if not all of us here, are beyond the justification phase. And so, we are in the yearning process, or phase. We've responded to God's love for us by changing our behavior so that it is, sometimes anyway, consonant with advice that St. Paul gives us in so many of his letters. 
Consider Philippians 4, 8, where Paul tells us in our lives to think on whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If we fail at this some of the time, as I certainly do, then we know that God is more than ready to accept our coming to him to confess so long as we are penitent. So this is really what we are to do in our reparation. And I pray that our daily lives where we read even a snippet of scripture every day, and everybody's got to be doing that, and where we practice the presence of God in prayer, as Bob Cummins told us two weeks ago. Bob, there he is. This will change us, I hope, so that we're always approaching more and more the way that our Lord would have us be. Okay, where are we? We've taken care of Jesus' statement regarding the timing of his return. We just do not know and are not to know when that will be. But we can be certain that his return will be a glorious event for all of us who follow Jesus in this life and we can look forward to it with great expectation. And finally, we must amend our behavior, be repaired as we prepare, having been justified and having started the movement toward greater holiness, what theologians call sanctification. You know, honestly, I think we should be pleased that we have a breather here. The signs, to me anyway, do not appear to point to an imminent return. And I am pretty comfortable with the mystery of the whole thing. But are we ready? Or should I say, are we as ready as we can be? Certainly not. So get with the repair and the prepare and be expectant. As we're told more than once in Scripture, he will come like a thief in the night. We would never welcome a thief in the night, or in the day either, for that matter. But the return of Christ will be so glorious that we will fall on our faces in awe. So after all this going back and forth, it's coming, it's not coming, all I can say is, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>